Support for Financial Grown-Up with Bobby Rebel and the following message come from TransferWise, the cheaper way to send money internationally. TransferWise takes a machete to the hefty fees that come with sending money abroad. Test it out for free at TransferWise.com slash podcast or download the app. We probably spent, I don't know, several hundred dollars on dog stuff, which is more than we spent on either of our children, by the way, before they were born. And so it was once she came into our lives, we could then learn what she really needed and we could calibrate our purchases to her actual needs, which apparently was a kitchen towel. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money, but it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, everyone. Pet lovers, this one is especially for you. And if you're like me, your pets are like your children. There's nothing you wouldn't do for them. But there are things that you shouldn't do for them, including overspending. Liz Thames is the author of Meet the Frugalwoods, Achieve Financial Independence Through Simple Living. And in fact, many of her fans knew her only as Mrs. Frugalwoods until recently. But as you will learn, Liz was not always as frugal as she is now. Here is Liz Thames, a.k.a. Mrs. Frugalwoods. Liz Thames, a.k.a. Mrs. Frugalwoods, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And congratulations are in order for your new book, Meet the Frugalwoods, Achieving Financial Independence Through Simple Living. Did I get that right? You did. Okay. All right. We're going to talk more about the book, but I want to hear more about your life in Vermont and your money story, which has to do with something near and dear to my heart, which is, of course, our pets. Yes. So a number of years ago, my husband and I decided we were ready to adopt a dog. We had wanted a dog for years, but we'd been renters and we had moved around a lot. I'd been in grad school, you know, not a good time to get a dog because when you get a dog, you need to think about who's going to care for them all day long. And so, you know, when you're moving around and you're renting an apartment and you're not home because you're in grad school and working full time in order to get free tuition, you don't really have the time to care for a pet. So it was a big decision for us to finally come to that moment where we owned a home and we felt like we had the time and the money to dedicate to having a dog. So we adopted a greyhound, which is a rescue dog. So it's a really frugal way to get a pet. And it's also a wonderful way of giving a pet a new home. So greyhounds are... are, By the way, there are some costs when you adopt a pet. Oh, absolutely. Yes, there are it's like with children, you know, there's just kind of the costs just keep on going. But it's, yes, so you do pay a fee when you adopt a dog. And then you need to think about their long term health care as well. One of the things that we thought when we first adopted our dog was that she needed everything. You know, we had waited years to get this dog, we were going to lavish her with all of the wonderful dog things. So we went to PetSmart and just cruised the aisles and bought, you know, oh, we need this, we need this, like impulse shopped for this dog and bought all these toys, all of these Kongs. You know what those are? You like, you put peanut butter What's in it. What's a Kong? The, it's, it's like this round thing that you put peanut butter or treats in and the dog. Are dogs supposed to eat peanut butter? Purportedly. I don't know. 
they stick their really? snout in it and lick it out. I don't know. I, I have like but four. But are they supposed to eat peanut butter? I don't know. I don't know. They told us that she could. Okay. But our dog had zero use for all of this stuff. She looked at it was like, no thanks, and took a red kitchen towel out of our kitchen <laughs> and said, this is my toy. And she decided that, you know, she really didn't need a lot in life. And that was a great lesson for us that we kind of had bought into this consumer notion that in order to be good dog parents, we needed to provide all of this stuff for her. When in reality, all she needed was a safe, warm space and lots and lots of walks and playtime outside. It was just so illuminating for us that, huh, wow, we really bought into this marketing trope of what it means to have a dog. It reminds me of when people buy all these toys for babies, little maybe toddlers, let's say, and then all the toddler wants to do is play in the box that the toys came in. Oh, 100%. Yes, my daughter the other day got in a box and was like, it's a boat. I'm sailing down the river. This is an empty cardboard box. It's like, excellent. I am really glad you have that imagination. And I'm really glad I didn't buy any toys for you. Totally. So how much do you think you spent on toys and unnecessary just stuff for your what's your dog's name? So our dog was Gracie better known as Frugal Hound. And she sadly passed away earlier this year. And so I'm so sorry. You know, thank you. But it's really, it's wonderful to talk about her and to realize sort of the important role that she had in our lives. And she was our first child and she really taught us what we needed to know about parenting, which is that we did not need to buy a ton of stuff. And it's also true that we bought things preemptively before she was even part of our lives. And we probably spent, to your question, I don't know, several hundred dollars on dog stuff, which is more than we spent on either of our children, by the way, before they were born. So it was once she came into our lives, we could then learn what she really needed and we could calibrate our purchases to her actual needs, which apparently was a kitchen towel. And it's interesting because you actually learned from Gracie how to not over prepare and buy in advance for your children when they your human children when they came along so in a way she taught you a good lesson in budget parenting absolutely so what is the lesson then for our listeners and how can this apply not just to pet owners but to everyone we are surrounded almost every single day by messages that tell us we need more stuff. There is always something more to buy for whatever phase of life you're in. You know, whether you have pets or you have kids or you don't have either of those things, but you have a great interest in hiking or rock climbing or whatever it might be, there will always be this huge list of things that we're told that we need. And I think marketing really makes us feel as though we need to have those things in order to be happy and to be fulfilled and to be able to do the things we want to do with our lives. But what I've realized over the years is that there really is no way to buy happiness. There is no way to sort of own everything that you need to own, because as soon as you reach that point, you'll realize there's more stuff or you need newer stuff or bigger stuff. And this applies to, you know, everything from houses and cars all the way down to the clothes that we wear and the food that we buy. And so I think when you can sort of step outside of that consumer carousel and really identify what it is that you actually need on a daily basis, you'll realize it's quite a bit less than we're told we need. 
And you also, it seems, learned that you can wait, that we live in such a culture of abundance here in the United States that had you waited to buy the dog toys and evaluated whether you need them, it's not like they wouldn't have been there. There's no fear that it won't be there if you don't buy it in advance. And the same thing applies for children and for ourselves, that we don't necessarily need to stock up ahead of time. We can, you know, kind of almost like the stores now do with an as-needed inventory. We can almost act that way for ourselves. So true. And I think we often have this scarcity mindset that, you know, we won't have enough or we won't be able to provide for our kids or our pets or our families. When in reality, we probably have plenty and we probably can make do with what we already own. And then my other favorite thing to do is source things used. So used cars, used furniture, used stuff for my kids. You know, you can save 50, 75 percent, sometimes 90 percent off of what something would have originally cost just by getting it used. And there are so many sources right now of used things. Craigslist, of course, everybody knows about buy nothing groups, buy and sell groups on Facebook, just talking with your neighbors and friends, finding hand-me-downs, of course, finding fantastic things on the side of the road, which I advise caution, but really can be done to great effect. And essentially looking at ways to not buy new. And this not only saves you money, but is environmentally friendly. It takes away a lot of that paralysis by analysis that I get when I'm looking on Amazon and reading, you know, 500 reviews. Like, I don't know which, you know, toddler sippy cup to buy. If you just get it used, you kind of remove all of that stress and time from your search. And for your money tip, Liz, you're going to help us all live healthier for less. Yes. So it's often possible to exercise for free by bartering or trading with your exercise studio. So when I lived in uh, Cambridge outside of Boston, I volunteered at the front desk of my yoga studio in exchange for free yoga classes. This was something that I didn't realize was possible until I tried to uh, save as much as I could every month and realized I was spending tons and tons of money on yoga classes. I think it's easy for us to look at exercise and think, oh, that's, you know, I'm happy to spend money on that because it's a good thing. And it is a good thing, but you can often do it for free. And I've heard from readers who have accomplished this at CrossFit studios, Pilates, ballet, just about any type of exercise that the studio is often looking for this opportunity to make a barter or a trade. So I used to take out the trash, sweep the floors, work at the front desk, free yoga. So how much do you estimate you saved? Doing that, it was thousands of dollars. It's another great example of how costs really compound over the course of a year. So you might only be spending $50, $100, $200 a month on exercising. But when you think about how much that is over the course of a year and how much that money could do for you if you instead invested it or used it in a wiser way, it really becomes pretty profound. And when you start to apply this to every line item in your budget, then you really can start to see astronomical savings. So how did you approach the yoga studio? Because a lot of people might say, well, that's great, but that's kind of a weird conversation to be a client there and just sort of say, oh, can I take out the trash and go to yoga for free? I mean, how did that actually happen? So fortunately for me, they had a poster up that advertised this program. And so I was able to just email the email address on the poster. But I know that this type of work study program often exists in studios. And so you can just ask, do you have any type of work study program where I could volunteer in exchange for classes? And if they say no, 
nothing is lost. They've said no. If they say yes, fabulous. You've now got an opportunity to uh, get free classes. All great. I love that idea. All right. Tell us more about your book and where people can find you. So the book is Meet the Frugal Woods, Achieving Financial Independence Through Simple Living. And it is a memoir about the financial journey that essentially I've been on and that ultimately led me to living on a homestead in Vermont. And you can find the book on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at any local bookstore, anywhere that books are sold. And where can people find you? Social media, website, all that good stuff. Sure. So it's all Frugal Woods across the board. My website is frugalwoods.com and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Frugal Woods. Liz, you are wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay, everyone. Liz totally delivered in this episode, especially with taking the lessons from buying habits with Gracie and then taking those lessons and applying them when she became a parent to humans. Financial grown-up tip number one. Liz talked about buying you stuff for your kid. Don't forget to sell stuff. For example, we were gifted an incredible and very pricey stroller when my son was born. We kept it in good shape. And when he outgrew it, we posted it in a Facebook group and we were able to sell it to a local person for more than half the original cost, which was still several hundred dollars. So it pays off. Financial grown-up tip number two, a word about pets. They are expensive. And while you can easily avoid luxury pet wardrobes, if that's your thing, that's fine. But you can avoid it. It's a choice. You cannot neglect their health. So make sure you have a very big budget for that. I can take my Morkian in for a checkup and a routine vaccine and walk out with a very large bill. I also want to talk about pet insurance. It is also very expensive and can be limited in its coverage. In many cases, it is not something that makes financial sense if you do the math. But my family decided to have it for our Morky for one reason. We never wanted to make a health decision about her after consulting our bank account. Pets' healthcare expenses, when they do need care beyond the routine, can put owners in very tough positions. You may be asked to pay, let's say, $1,000 for a bunch of tests. So how do you say no? And then the tests show the pet needs a procedure, another bill, and then therapy, and so on. It adds up, and our pets are priceless, but our money is finite. So at a certain point, you could be put in the position of saying, is so many more months worth this many more dollars? Well, the answer is usually going to be yes, because we're human and we love our pets. But the reality is that decision could very easily derail other financial needs, obligations, and plans. So if you get a pet, research pet insurance and make an informed decision. It is expensive. And usually it's only affordable if you get it when your pet is young. So it's worth being proactive early on. All right, if you have not heard yet, I am very excited about this. We are going to start having one guest a month be a listener. If you want to be considered, email us at info at financial grownup and tell us what money story and what money tip you would share if you were chosen. If you have not already, please subscribe and help us spread the word by sharing on social media. I am at Bobby Rebel at Twitter. On Instagram, I am at BobbyRebel1. And go to BobbyRebel.com forward slash Financial Grown Up Podcast to learn more about the show and to sign up for our mailing list so you can hear about things like how to be a guest on the show. I hope that you enjoyed Liz's story and that we all got one step closer to being financial grownups. ups 
Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.